Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi Podcast. I am your host, the Artificial Dragon. I'm your co-host, Hannah. And uh, welcome to the 21st episode of the podcast, everybody. Um, it's always still mind-blowing of how far we are. I mean, I keep saying that, but I think it'll truly be mind-boggling once we get to our 50th, let alone our 100th episode. Let us let us get to thirty. <laughs> let us just mark mark it by the tens, and maybe that'll make it easier. <laughs> okay, thirtieth episode. Then it will be mind blowing. Then we go on from there. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I really appreciate. I want to say this right off the bat. Thank you to all the new subscribers that have been gathering to our channel out of nowhere ever since we uploaded a trade federation the Twi'lek, and now the cis episode i we've been getting a lot of subscribers so thank you so much for liking our videos um and for giving us the likes and the comments all those comments are really lovely to read and i always love all of them um but yeah i appreciate all of you and i hope that this episode will not disappoint but anyway, um, so in terms of Patreons, uh, for any new viewer that came across because you're a Revan fan or just are a general fan of a podcast. Oh, spoiler for this episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they would know, huh, what's this video about? It's definitely not that cool guy in a Mandalorian mask. Click. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you, for whatever reason, came across this video, um, if you love what we do, our podcasts, our D and D, all that fun stuff, you could support you could support us on our Patreon of at patreon.com slash can mail. Again, that's patreon.com slash mail. Our lowest is two dollars a month, and our highest is ten dollars a month. And for any tier that you um, pay for, you'll have instant access to our Discord server. I'll probably add more rewards along the way, like Maybe for the highest, we'll mention uh, Patreons, all that fun stuff. I think that would be a nice little addition. Um, but anyway, for the highest Patreon, you could also get an exclusive downloadable uh, Patreon art piece of a fan service version of a popular character. And this month, we have the Count of Sereno himself, Dooku. <laughs> Which is... Uh, it's a time coming for Hannah over there. She is a huge Dooku simp. And it it's just really cool. I like the way the art looks. Yeah, I really love... There's this particular art piece that... The artist outdid uh, themselves this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's this particular art piece of Dooku that I based that... Uh, or referenced that art piece from. Where he's just chilling in his ca- castle drinking wine. He's just giving that smug expression like... Huh. <laughs> I mean, Vitiate, Thrawn, uh, Dooku. Yep. The, the the male art pieces are great, but the female art pieces are too. We have the Twi'leks, we have an upcoming one. The Tagruda, don't forget about her. Yep, the uh, Padme. and Padme. <laughs> the one that's coming up next month is really good. Yeah, it's really, really secret. good. Um, don't forget uh, our first Patreon art pieces, which is the Dothamirian harems, both male and female versions. Oh, yes. <laughs> but it's awesome to look back at all these art pieces to see how far we've come with our uh, Patreon stuff and all of that. And I do appreciate all the Patreons for supporting us. We're getting $55 a month now, and I'm looking forward to what new 
fans will come along to contribute to our little pet project of ours. And you can you could send us uh, suggestions for characters for fan service as well. The this next character that's going to be coming up is a favorite of our host. Yep. Because this one was this one this month was my favorite. Next month is going to be our host's favorite. Yep. Yep. Um. But yeah, aside from Patreon art pieces, thank you as usual so much for supporting the podcast, and I appreciate your patience. Just huge gaps between episodes, but in this case, it's kind of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, I'm having a brain fart right here, Hannah. I was away on Hawaii <laughs> for vacation, so a, that's... He went to Hawaii in yes. the middle of a storm. <laughs> he left all of us here in a giant snowstorm, and he goes to fucking Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, suck it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, that's the reason with a massive gap between episodes this time around, because I had to spend an entire week in Hawaii. Oh no, I'm stranded on an island in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. <laughs> but yes, I had a wonderful time in Hawaii. And ironically enough, I kind of got more inspiration for the uh, Bodemnik culture when I was in Hawaii and everything. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I really wish I got one of those kick-ass uh, necklaces with a hook and everything, but whatever. I'll do that on my next round in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough with real-life stuff. Um, this episode is kind of a special one. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I did with a Separatist episode, um, I'm not going to do the obligatory, you know what episode this is, Hannah. I'm actually going to try starting with a quote for to kind of give you a nice little introduction of what we're dealing with this episode. We all know what we're dealing with with this episode. But you haven't heard the quote yet. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Savior, conqueror, hero, villain. You are all things, Revan. And yet, you are alone. In the end, you belong to neither the light nor the darkness. You will forever stand alone. Sounds like Space Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's said by uh, by uh, Darth Revan's own apprentice, Darth Malak, but we'll get into him in a little bit. Um, so yeah, in this episode, we will be talking about probably one of the most popular characters in the Legends timeline of Star Wars, Darth Revan himself. Nice. So let me ask you, Hannah, what do you know exactly of Darth Revan? This much. <laughs> Very little. Yeah, you only have been uh, exposed to him in Swator and everything. Yes, with the Foundry, uh, with the Foundry um, Flashpoint, mm -hmm. the Revanite uh, side quest on Droban Koss. You get a little sneak peek at what the Revanites are all about, uh, and act and finally culminating the Shadow Revan story, I guess. Yep, is. The fight with Revan on Yavin 4. Spoilers mm -hmm. for anyone who hasn't played the Shadow of Revan. <laughs> Don't decision. worry, there's going to be a lot of spoilers for anybody that hasn't played Swator or Knights of the Old Republic or anything like that. Anyways. Yes, this is the, in the expansion of Shadow of Revan is basically all of my knowledge about Revan. That is fair. And <laughs> I uh, I need to uh, get back to that. Um, For any new viewers, no, I won't be going into depth on Revan, because if I do, we would be here for over two to three hours if I talk about every minuscule detail of Revan. Subscribe to the Patreon, and maybe we'll start doing three-hour episodes. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's not about the money. In this case, it is about the money. <laughs> but anyway, the point of these of this podcast and these episodes in general is to give a simplified version of what goes on with these characters and what they're all about. If if <laughs> I told you about uh, some, I can't remember the person at the top of my head, but the comments in the XR Coon episode where they're all like, oh, oh yeah. actually this, oh, actually that. And it's like, if I have people actually mean, that that means I'm doing my job pretty well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, you know, it just as a whole, this podcast is for the simpler parts. Yeah. For the fans who are trying to introduce themselves more to Star Wars. This is the... The Cliff Notes version. Yeah. As a kid... It makes kid, it easier. <laughs> uh, I was having a conversation with Kit last week, and he was do- doing a simplified version of his one sci-fi universe, and he's like, okay, if you're trying to introduce people to this sci-fi universe or whatever, try to talk to them like they're children. Exactly. Because if you do a huge lore dump, then that just scares them away. Exactly. We're trying to talk to these... We're trying to introduce these players or and you know, fans as if they're children. Yeah. It just makes it easier to understand. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, granted, there are some episodes where there's a lot of lore in them, but... Say the CIS <laughs> episode? Yeah, the CIS was a major example of that. But that's because I have my personal bias, and if I leave out certain details, then people won't give a point. But for Revan, he... <sighs> how there to... Is, ex- there is so much. There is so much. With Revan. We can't cover it in one episode. Yeah. Like, we'd be here for... We'd be here all night. Indeed. And, like, it, it, ironically enough, it would be easier if we did an episode on, like, a movie character. Because we got we got the, uh, the uh, broad strokes and everything. It's just the smaller details that you never see on screen that we would have to talk about. I mean, we, we potentially could take the route we did with Thrawn and break it up Legends versus Canon, but... Yeah. You know, that well, would still take for fucking ever. Yeah, for now, Legends Fraun is the one that we're going with. Maybe we'll go back to Fraun in canon, but the Ahsoka TV show is coming out, and, and Fraun's going to be a huge main antagonist, if I remember correctly. I wait to see that. Yeah, so that's one of the main reasons why I'm kind of holding off on a canon Fraun and everything, because and we don't know what's going on with him right and now. And the Mandalorian. Yep, yep. Yeah, the Mandalorians are popular enough as it is. Tell you what, guys, if you want me to do a Mandalorian episode, um, I'll have to do a uh, Patreon go to see if you want me to do that. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, um, rambling aside, let's get into the meat of this episode. And All actually, right. Revan. So yeah, um, as we mentioned before, talking about Revan is not a simple bullet point. There's just a lot of circumstances and everything that goes in with Revan. So it's going to be a fairly long episode. Make sure to pack a lunch and everything. Make sure <laughs> to take massive breaks in between uh, dumps and everything. But yeah, Revan is going to be one of those characters. But uh, I'm going to try my best. I might get a couple of things wrong, but I will try my best. Don't judge me if you hear me snoring. <laughs> but yeah, um, so Revan was first introduced in the Knights of the Old Republic video game. And he's, at first, he's kind of seen as this legendary background character that you always hear about. Like, oh, Revan, he's a mighty Sith Lord. Oh, Revan, he's a former Jedi Knight turned Sith Lord, that sort of thing. But as we'll get further into the uh, episode, hi, Lopey, um... 
there's just a lot of uh, twists and turns that goes into Revan as a character. But Insert anyway, Night Shyamalan, what a twist! <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be more twists and turns than a uh, <laughs> that <laughs> guy's Night movies. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so let's get into um the story. So previous episode, uh, previous episode, previous history of a Civ episode, Xr Coon. Fucks up shit. Starts the Great Sith War. Everything, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, trans- transcends into a Sith spirit. Tries to fuck the Jedi Order. Jedi Order traps him on Yavin 4. We all know all that. Yep. So, the Great Sith War happened at around 3,996 years before the Battle of Yavin. So that's like way, way out there. Um, Ancient. Yeah. So after the conflict and Exar Kun got trapped on Yavin 4 and everything... Um, I don't the, really think he cared. No. The, it was not a great time for Exar Kun being trapped in utter darkness for centuries. <laughs> hey, any normal person would go insane being isolated for literal centuries. Carrying on. Well, okay. Anyway, um, but after the end of a Great Sith War... The galaxy was just ravaged in the aftermath. Like, several planets were consumed in supernovas. Uh, several Republic worlds were devastated because of a numerous Sith attacks and everything. The Jedi Order has been fractured because of Exar Kun's inner agents that he corrupted with the dark side and everything. Doing a uh, reverse Order 66 and all that. Um, however, there were still surviving members of a Brotherhood of a Sith that were forced into obscurity. Like, oh no, let's get out of here. Exactly, go into hiding. <laughs> go into hiding. And this around, and this started a little era called the Restoration Period, which is basically the Republic and the Jedi just licking their wounds and restoring worlds to their former glory and everything. Initially, the Jedi were hunting down of a former brotherhood of a Sith, but they kind of have more pressing matters to attend to. Like, the Republic's like, oh, God, we're dying. We need you, Jedi. Help us. And we're like, oh, fine. Um, and after the destruction of the the Grand Library of Osses, you know, that, uh, that uh, Star Wars version of Al- the Alexandria. Alexandria. Yep. The Library of Alexandria. Thank you. Um, they... They didn't exactly have any headquarters to go to, so they were kind of forced to make their headquarters on Coruscant itself. Makes sense. And this was kind of around the period where the Jedi became closer and closer to the political uh, ideals of a Republic and everything, mm-hmm. becoming enforcers. Like, the, you gotta keep this in mind. The Republic military was fractured because of this devastating war, and the Republic kind of had to step in as a quote-unquote military force, police force, to help restore all these worlds and shit. I've um, noticed that happens a lot throughout Star Wars history. Yeah, like the Republic gets curb-stomped into oblivion and the Jedi have to bail their ass out. That's the Jedi suffer too. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously the Jedi were kind of reluctant because, oh, if we focus on the Republic, then that means the Sith will get away and they'll be able to spread their ideals across the galaxy, but... Obviously, the Republic, you know, trying to convince them, like, we can't live without you, and you can't live without us. They're like, oh, fine, fine. Sounds like the most (laughs) toxic relationship ever. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody jokes that Star Wars has a lot of characters with daddy issues. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, toxic relationship after toxic relationship. Um, but this also kind of gave the Jedi Order itself a new perspective. Like, um, during this war, two of their greatest knights, like Exar Kun and Yulikal Droma, their greatest members of the Jedi Order, these guys just turned to the dark side and they came to this realization like, okay, their masters and all these uh, Jedi Watchmen that are responsible for keeping an eye on the dark side, they need to be held in account in accountability because these guys allowed this to happen, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So they kind of put more strict guidelines and kind of uh, put... I went... Okay, so... More supervision on apprentices and all Jedi. Kind of... Is this where they came, finally came up with no attachments? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And because, you know, we don't want to get into this devastating war with one of our greatest Jedi Knights falling to the dark side again. Like, it didn't help. No. But <laughs> you could understand. <laughs> it didn't stop at all. But you could understand where they're coming from with this first incident. Yep. Oh, man. And ironically, this this was seen as very controversial because even though it was eventually accepted by the Jedi Order, there were a lot of um, much more, uh, what was it, traditional Jedi that see this as restrictive. Like, the Jedi Code does not allow the Jedi to rule over others, especially other Jedi. Yeah, makes sense. And... And the supporters of this change saw this as a as a very progressive. And the Republic itself gave the Jedi a thumbs up because they're kind of introducing the legislation. Um, so let's see. And then around this period, just a little bit, um, the Jedi kind of engaged in these little skirmishes with these militia slash terrorist organizations all across the galaxy. And after a little while, the Jedi Order kind of restored came back into a state of normalcy. I mean, sure, they're still keeping an eye out for dark side artifacts and shit like that, but they're just doing day-to-day operations, like fighting off pirates, fighting off smugglers and all of this stuff, and keeping peace in the Republic for the time being. However, uh, so this restoration period, I believe, like, lasted for 20 years, I would say. Mm-hmm. And at around this time, uh, there are whispers of the Mandalorians just doing their thing in the outer rim of the galaxy. And they're just... Um, so, just to give you a little bit of context, their previous, the previous leader of the Mandalorians were killed in this battle in the, in the eve of the Great Sith War. And this new warrior took up the uh, mantle of Mandalore. And... He kind of called himself Mandalore the Ultimate, and he decided to change the Mandalorians as a culture. Like, instead of... So, this will probably be more important in the uh, Mandalorian-exclusive episode, but the Mandalorians were initially a race called the Tang. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing them correctly. But Mandalore the Ultimate decided, okay, we're not going to make this a uh, species-exclusive culture, but anybody can become a Mandalorian. Because his idea was, if everybody can be a Mandalorian, that we could make up a bigger army to take down the Republic and all this stuff. That makes so much sense. Yeah, it does. 
And yeah, eventually it becomes human exclusive, but you know, semantics. <laughs> um, and he kind of reorganized the Mandalorians in this, into this new crusading force called the Neo Crusaders. And, and for the time being, he's just leading his forces to conquer several of these outer rim worlds that had no affiliation with the Republic. Just kind of building up his forces, you know, taking in slaves, taking in war machines, all that fun stuff. And the Republic were seeing this shit go down. And the Mandalorians are just on the other side of this white line. And the Republic were just holding their guns, just... I'm watching you, bitch. Don't you cross this line. And the Mandalorian's like, fuck you. Fuck. <laughs> it was just this tense stand between the Mandalorians the and the Republic. Mexican standoff. <laughs> Mexican standoff. <laughs> but yeah, um, so this kind of, if you think about it, it's kind of like the Cold War of Star Wars, but Mandalorians. The Cold War, the actual Cold War doesn't happen until years later. No, no, no. Um, so... Just this little ten standoff. Um, let's see. And every once in a while, the Mandalorians would kind of invade worlds that are near the lines of a Republic, just kind of testing the waters a little bit to see how the Republic would re would respond. Mm -hmm. And while the Republic military did, you know, mobilize in case there is an invasion, the, the Senate didn't see them that much of a threat. They're like, okay, as long as they stay over there, we'll be fine. <laughs> Did they not stay? No, not <laughs> not for very long. <laughs> but yeah, um, and the Jedi Order kind of saw all of this going on, and probably this comes as much of a shock to you. I I I can see this. The Jedi saw the Mandalorian Fred looming, and they decided, no, if uh, the Mandalorians and the Republic enter into a war, we're going to stay out of it. Because Smart. we are still recovering from this devastating war 20 years earlier. We don't want to fuck up our order again. Exactly. Um, and even though it's understandable, there are many younger members of a Jedi Order that were all like, what the fuck are you doing? There are many innocent people being killed out there. We need to do something about it. And the most vocal of these supporters was this man named, well, Revan. Is Revan's backstory, or does he does not have one? So, Same like <laughs> he's just there. So, um, it it's much more justifiable for uh, Revan, in my opinion. But Revan is kind of this in mysterious figure of intrigue. Like we don't know his real name. Assumingly, Revan is his real name, but that's also a Sith title, so who knows. But what we do know is that he was born in the outer rim of the galaxy. And then, he, you know, he got picked up as a Jedi youngling. He got trained on Coruscant and then the uh, Jedi Enclave on Dantooine, all that fun oh, stuff. Dantooine, not Tatooine. There's a lot of Tooines in Star Wars. I thought he would have been trained on Tython. Yeah. Um, and he eventually, he was... Another prominent student of the Jedi Order. He's kind of like the Anakin Skywalker of his day. You know, continuous pattern going yep. on here. <laughs> but anyway, um, so he, in his training, he also became friends with his other individual named Alec, um, who will eventually become his apprentice. But they were like the closest of friends. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Revan and Alec were the closest of friends and both of them managed to achieve the ranks of Jedi Knight together and they were both seen as the most promising members of the Jedi Order. Just like Exar Kun. Exar Kun. And, and Anakin. Then Anakin and Ahsoka. Fortunately, Ahsoka doesn't turn to the dark side, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the two... Even though both Revan and Alec were pretty good members of the Jedi Order, Revan was particularly seen as the most powerful and intellectual of the two. Like, he's got the big brain and everything. He also has sheer charisma and has the talents of a natural leader and everything. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so, just to give you a little bit of context, Revan is basically the uh, self-insert character in the Knights of the Old Republic. Like, you could customize their looks and everything. They could be male or female. And they even mentioned that in uh, Spator with the yeah. Revenant quest. Yep. When you meet, quote-unquote, Revan, mm-hmm. the leader, the actual leader, she's a woman, she said no one knew if Revan was female or male. Mm-hmm. So, it, you could interpret it any way you want. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, Revan is kind of like one of those, uh, you know, your normal RPG characters that you could customize however you want. Give them your own personality and everything. Revan was kind of that character of intrigue. And whenever you see him uh, in comics or whatever before on Swator and everything, he was always covered in a cloak and everything. And his face is always obscure. So, so you don't he, know what this person looks like. Under yeah, the exactly. It could be a man. It could be a woman. It's, it's hilarious because whenever he's with other Jedi and they're just in these plain clothes, he's always the one that has the hood up and everything. It's funny. It is very funny. But, uh, and then Swator just throws it out of the window instantly. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Swator. I'll go more into that, uh, shit storm later when we get to Swator and everything. But anyway, so, eventually, um, where was I, um... So when the Neo-Crusaders decided to start invading the borders of the Republic, Revan was one of the many Jedi that was infuriated with the Jedi Council's inability to partake in this conflict against the Neo-Crusaders and everything. Makes sense. Eager young young person willing to fight for what what they think is right. Yeah, I think Revan was around 29 at around this point. So he was, okay, a little bit older than you and I, but still pretty young. Yeah, it's still young in that regard. Yeah. Um, so he gained a small following of like-minded Jedi Knights and decided, fuck you, Council, we're going to assist the Republic. Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> and the Republic media went so far as to call Revan the Jedi's own crusader. Hmm. And he eventually named himself and his followers the Revanists. The Revanites? The Revanists, not the Revanites. That's completely different. Ah. I know, okay. it's a little bit confusing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a little bit confusing. <laughs> but his little gathering of Jedi Knights are called Verevenous, not Verevenites. That's the Dromenkos thing. Anyway, um, so they didn't exactly partake in the war at first. They were kind of just going around the galaxy, like spreading his message of of convincing the Jedi to intervene in the war. Just not... He was more of a speaker than an actual fighter, that sort of thing, and just it's kind of like investigating. Yeah, he's kind of an activist. He's not, he's not actively act- particularly. He's not fighting. He's just, you know, spreading the word. Yeah, and eventually he and his followers came to the homeworld of the Cathar race, you know, the, uh, the, the 
feline people and everything. Yes, I had um, a Cathar Jedi Knight, I know. Yeah, and he the reason he came to Cathar was because there were no communications coming in or out of Cathar for over 10 years. And he kind of suspected that the Mandalorians invaded the planet. He arrived on there and it was just abandoned. Like there were no Cathar to be seen anywhere. And yeah, and he was just leading this investigation like, what the fuck is going on? I have a feeling that the uh, Mandalorians have something to do with this, but we can't find anything. What the fuck? This planet is abandoned. Yeah, it's like a literal ghost town, a ghost planet. I was going to say a ghost planet. Yeah, it's really spooky if you think about it. Um, But eventually the Jedi Order... Uh, there were like some intelligence that came to the Jedi Council that the Mandalorians weren't as much of a threat as they thought they were. And the Jedi Council kind of sent their own representatives to Cathar to convince Revan and his followers to come back. Otherwise, they'll have to detain them and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of this uh, confrontation, um, Revan looks to the side and he sees a mask. He bends down and he you know, picks up the mask, like, what the fuck is this? And then he and the other Jedi around him were surprised to see a crowd of Cathar running towards him, and and the ones chasing them were a army of Mandalorian soldiers. Well, looks like Mandalorians aren't so dangerous <laughs> that that info about the Mandalorians was bullshit. Yeah, and obviously all the Jedi sprung to action to activate their lightsabers to try and protect the Cathar, but they were shocked to see that their lightsabers just went through the Mandalorians. And that's when they realized they weren't in the present. They were witnessing the past. What the fuck? So yeah, um, so he just, he and the other Jedi, his followers and members of a Jedi Council were watching what unfolded before them. And they find that this group of Mandalorian warriors were led by this man named Cassus Fett. Hey, ancient Fett ancestor. Yeah, the ancestor of Jango Fett himself. And they were kind of chasing the Cathar towards their ocean, just kind of drenching them and everything, just Jeez. just herding them in. Because kind of a little bit of a context, the Cathar played a major part in the fall of the Mandalorians and Exarchoon and everything. Hmm. So this was kind of their retribution against the Cathar to cleanse them of, you know, Fuck you, Mandalorians, and this is kind of their revenge on the Cathar. Literally drowning them. So yeah, they gathered the Cathar into the ocean, and and uh, Cass's Fed was all like, "Okay, we gathered the remaining Cathar into the ocean. Now we're gonna just <laughs> replay the uh, Bonnie and Clyde thing. Just gun them down and everything." And before he could enact this, a singular Mandalorian warrior stood up to Cass's Fed and. We don't know who this Mandalorian is. We definitely know it's a female. And she was the only Mandalorian warrior that argued that we have beaten the Cathar. They do not deserve genocide. But obviously, uh, Cassus Fed was not going to be swayed. And he's all like, okay, warrior, um, the Cathar need to pay for what they have done against the Mandalorians. But if you wish to stand with them, then I will honor your request. And then he just opened, he ordered his warriors to open fire on the Cathar along with the Mandalorian warrior. Oh, that sucks. And then it comes back to the present, 
And the mask that uh, Revan picked up was the mask that once belonged to that female Mandalorian warrior. Oh. And Revan was all like, you didn't have to beat them. You didn't have to murder all of them, but you realize that, but your brothers did not listen to you. And he kind of like holds a mask and he's like, I do not know your name, but I will take up your crusade. And he puts it on and he's all like, so that's how he got the mask. Yep. That uh, iconic mask that you always see him wear. That's a Mandalorian mask. How the fuck did it come into the possession <laughs> of Lord Grapple? <Graffin? laughs> I want to know how that happens. Yeah, I well keep asking because they never go into that. <laughs> But anyway, point is, man, uh, Revan picks up the mask, and he, and he is, says to himself, "I will hold your crusade, and I will not, and I will not, um, and I will keep this mask on until every single Mandalorian warrior pays for their crimes against the Cathar people." So this is a crusade against the Mandalorian. Yep, he was all like, and I took that personally. Jesus, <laughs> what? And obviously, with so many, uh, you know, witnesses, especially members of a Jedi Council, um, they were kind of shaking up. They didn't want to participate in the war, but they were like, okay, Revan, we don't want to take part in the war, but we're not going to stop you. You have our full go-ahead. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, at first, they didn't join the Republic military, but they did allow Revan to join the Republic as this volunteer force of healers and everything. Okay. Kind of a little, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like Salvation Army. Salvation Army, yeah. Or the Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, because it's a volunteer force, and nobody's going to refuse volunteers in this war and everything. Who wouldn't? Yeah, and that uh, little loophole was what got Revan and the rest of his Jedi Knights to become, you know, uh, active participants in the war against the Mandalorians. Okay. And... Let's see, uh, da -da. I went way too far in my notes. Um, so as the war continued against the Mandalorians, eventually Revan became the first Jedi general in history. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> and Revan was just this big brain dude who... Realized that uh, the, even though the Mandalorians were superior in terms of warriors and martial combat, he realized that the Republic military had a superior manufacturing plans and technology and everything. And he realized he needed to get that sort of strength more on his side and cram out more ships and better arms and weapons and mm -hmm. everything. Um but along the lines, he also kind of cut moral corners. He became just as ruthless as the Mandalorian warriors. Makes sense. Yep. And, like, there would be occasions where he would willingly sacrifice entire civilian populations just to gain victory over the Mandalorians. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty barbaric, but, you know, the saying, fight fire with fire. Not at the cost of civilians' <laughs> lives. But yeah, um, eventually his numerous victories over the Mandalorians. Um, surprisingly, he was granted the rank of Supreme Commander by the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic. Wow. So yeah, he basically became the head honcho of the entirety of a Republic military. And he had, like, I believe, a third of a Republic fleet under his direct command. Wow. So yeah, he's... 
he's just climbing the ranks, despite being a young Jedi Knight. But it, uh, but eventually along the lines, like, you know, moral shortcuts here and there, uh, he would dive a little bit deeper and deeper into the dark side. Like, Of course. <laughs> like, I believe they came across Korriban, and they kind of went into the tombs of Korriban, and his friend Alec could kind of hold him on the shoulder, and he's all like, dude, you... You know the legends of Korriban. If we go in there, we might go down a path that we could never recover from. And Revan wanting, you know, to uh, beat the Mandalorians was not swayed and he continued down. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm going. I'm. Yeah, I'm he's going just. Into these tombs. Yeah, he's just all like, we need to find the knowledge that we can to beat the Mandalorians once and for all. Because, yeah, Revan is kind of a. Uh, one one track mind one i wouldn't say one track um there are many conflicting sources that say that revan kind of sees the dark side as a mere tool others say that he may have fallen further and further to the dark side but point is he sees the dark side as a powerful tool to finally beat the mandalorians into submission and everything um so eventually over the years he and alec went to numerous planets and everything and eventually they uh, came to this planet called Malachor 5. It's one of those important worlds that uh, eventually gets adopted into canon. But uh, kind of similar in many ways, but different in many others. Mm -hmm. But uh, Malachor appears in the Rebels TV show just as a perspective. Um, but despite, you know, swaying fervor and fervor to the dark side, Revan is still pretty much the good guy at this point in time. And as time continues on, he has all of these major victories over the Mandalorians, like with several guerrilla fighters assembling and breaking the, the uh, factories and the backbone of the Mandalorian military across different planets across the galaxy. And at the tipping point of the Mandalorian Wars, um, so Raven conceived a trap on Malachor V. Malachor 5? Yeah, Malachor 5. Um, and his idea was to lure in the big honcho of the Mandalorians himself, Mandalore the Ultimate, over this world to have their final confrontation. And he tasked the creation of his super weapon called the Mass Shadow Generator. It's kind of difficult to explain what exactly it is, but essentially it's like uh, it uses the, the uh, gravitatic properties of a planet and it, you know, it crushes everything at super gravity and everything. Sounds horrible. It is very horrible. Doesn't and that sound like a way I want to go out? <laughs> yeah, and as you'll soon see in the Battle of Malkor V. Um, so, basically, uh, he has this ragtag uh, fleet of Republic ships over Malkor V to kind of, hey, we're a nice little target, come get us Mandalorians. And they took the trap. And then uh, Revan and Malak, in a separate fleet, just came in from behind of the Mandalorian fleet, kind of doing this pincer manu uh, maneuver. And he boarded the personal vessel of Mandalore the Ultimate himself. And they have this climatic duel in the final battle of the Mandalorian Wars. And eventually he came out on top and he took the mask of Mandalore the Ultimate. Oh, wow. 
But that wasn't exactly the end of the war. The Mandalorians were fighting to the last men because they wanted to die as warriors and everything. Yeah, typical and... Mandalorian uh, way of life. Yep. Die as warriors, don't die of old age. Yep, and knowing that the Mandalorians were not going to surrender anytime soon with brute force, he signaled the activation of a mass shadow generator. And basically... The mass shadow generator basically destroyed the entirety of Malachor itself and the fleet in orbit, both Republic and uh, Mandalorians, were just devastated in the thousands. It was just this chaotic battle that ended in the death and suffering of thousands. Wow. And it was so devastating it actually opened a wound of a force. Uh, I'm not surprised. Yep. Let me actually give you a nice little quote of the uh, description. I remember standing on the bridge with you and watching the destruction of a Republic, watching those ships full of soldiers and Jedi burn and die. I remember the look you had when you turned to me. It was the longest you'd ever look at me. You didn't say anything, just a nod. Events moved quickly then, even in my dreams, flashes, explosions, you falling. I could feel the pain around me, and then the memory. The drifting hulk of a Mandalorian ships, the dead, allies, friends, strangers, and then the echo, lingering. The sound I awaken to in my nightmares. Does anyone deserve a Mandalorian's fate? Even some of their conquered worlds fared better. Wow, who was that from? So that was from the words of a creator, the creator of a mass shadow generator. And uh, he's kind of an interesting character, but that's not the entire point of his episode. Mm -hmm. Point is, Mandalorians got fucked up. And after the mass genocide, um, the Man Mandalorians proclaimed their unconditional surrender. That, wow. Yep that the Mandalorians surrendered. Yeah, that's how devastating that war was. The Mandalorians were just curb stomped and just stomped on even fervor. Mm -hmm. And they had no other choice but to surrender. And with that, Revan basically forced the Mandalorians to discard their arms. I mean, they still kept their armor and everything. But it was basically an act to destroy their very way of life. And he took the mask of a Mandalore, knowing fully well that... The mask was the one that unified the Mandalorians. Without it, they're nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much when the Mandalorians became uh, scattered clans and everything, where they hired themselves as hired guns because they have no other purpose in life. Yeah, that's sad. It is very sad. Even Until though <laughs> thousands of years later. Thousands of years later. Arguably, the Mandalorians had what's coming to them, but at the same time, it is their way of life. Yeah. But yeah, um, so with his Republic victory, um, let's see, even though, of, uh, even though they managed to uh, beat the Mandalorians into submission, during his duel with Mandalore the Ultimate, Revan came to a, came to a revelation from the Mandalore. And the Mandalore was all like, I was given a vision that the Mandalorians would conquer the galaxy and I was deceived by the Sith. And Revan was like, Deceived by the Sith, you say? And, uh, you know, the Mandalore was all like, yeah, I 
was approached by this Sith agent who gave me this future, and that's why we went to war against the Republic and everything. <laughs> of course, always Sith meddling. Yeah, and Revan and Malak were kind of perturbed by this new information because, you know, they assumed that all the Sith went extinct. So they kind of went on this uh, little investigation that led them to the dead world of Nathema. Nathema. Nathema, however you pronounce it, I know. Um, and event, and from Nathema, they came across the Sith Empire and Droman Kos. Oh, wow. And Revan and Malak were all like, holy fuck. The, the Sith weren't gone. They were just recovering and building up their military force. Right under your fucking nose. <laughs> Pretty much. And the, and the Mandalorians were their pawns. Holy crap. And Revan and Malak um, decided to kind of end this once and for all. They snuck into the uh, Sith Citadel on Droman Kos, where they came across the, you know, Darth Vitiate himself. Yep. And they were all like, okay, we're going to end this once and for all. We're going to kill your ass before you could even start this war with the Republic. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and this is kind of like a... If I remember correctly, before Swator came out, there were kind of like hints that there was this hidden Sith Empire that uh, Revan and Malak were mobilizing their forces to fight against. Mm -hmm. But in Swator, they kind of redconned it as, yeah, they knew about the Sith Empire, but in reality, Darvish had basically brainwashed them and sent them out into the galaxy to fuck shit up. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, a lot of people did not like that because it kind of made... Revan, one of the most powerful Force users in the history of the Star Wars galaxy, basically a brainwashed puppet. That's a better. It's a better story angle than whatever this was going for. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion, at least. Now you're a Darth Vitiate simp, so I understand that. <laughs> but anyway, um, point is, Vitiate, uh, you know, captures Malak uh, and Revan brainwashes them, converts them fully to the dark side, and he's all like, okay, go find this super weapon called the Star Forge so I could build my military might even more. And both Revan and Malak uh, returned to their, um, to the known galaxy, and they went to numerous worlds that uh, held these artifacts called the Star Maps, which basically are kind of pieces of a much larger puzzle of where the Star Forge is. Uh, for perspective, the Star Forge is made by the Rakata of the Infinite Empire. Of course. Yeah. Of course, the Rakata made everything that's <laughs> ancient in the Star Wars <laughs> But yeah, um, so they kind of went to these different uh, star maps, and they eventually came across the uh, Star Forge. And, and it said that the very moment they stepped foot on the Star Forge, they reveled in its power. And, you know, reveled in what they could create with this powerful super weapon at their fingertips. Like, near limitless fleets of starships, droids, weapons, all of this stuff. And they were overcome with this ambition. And they were like, fuck you, Vicia, we're going to start our own empire. <laughs> yeah, that's basically with what... blackjack and hookers. <laughs> Always bet on black, bitch. Uh. But yeah, um, just a quick pause. Revan is kind of like one of those characters that I kind of have mixed feelings about. He's 
obviously he's a uh, a uh, blank slate that you could create whatever personality you want into him. Like he's this legendary figure who was both on the side of a republic and the Sith, but he's kind of like one of those. Um, I wouldn't quite say a Mary Sue character, but it kind of sounds. He sure like feels that. like one. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Uh, it probably doesn't help that I don't have a certain bias towards Darth Revan because I never played the Knights of the Old Republic when I was younger. I didn't either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's just uh, just a lot of random bullshit with Revan's story being retconned and everything. But I'm sure. Especially yeah. with... In, it sounds like they're retconning it in canon. Yeah. And it, does, it doesn't help it make any more sense. But anyway, um... So point is, Revan, Malak make their own Sith Empire, and they kind of like uh, went to these separate shipyards and decided to sabotage the Republic because, you know, he's the former Supreme Commander. And many of the Republic soldiers pledged their loyalty to Darth Revan because, you know, they saw him as this legendary hero that won from the Mandalorian Wars. Mm -hmm. So obviously they're not going to say no, and besides... They looked at the Galactic Senate and they're like, fuck you guys. We're going to follow this guy who actually gives a damn about us. Yeah. And this started another conflict called the Jedi Civil War. And you could probably imagine the High Council were like, I knew it! I knew this was going to be bad! (laughs) I'm not surprised. (laughs) I knew this was going to happen! I told you! You didn't listen to me, but I told you! What is it going to be every fucking 20 years? One of the calls <laughs> the fucking dark side. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, just a lot of unfortunate circumstances happening here and there. But anyway, point is, um, so Rev in, there are like a couple of interesting events where Revan creates his own holocron, where he basically gives his insight on the, relationship between master and apprentice and it goes on to inspire the way of two by darth bane and everything Mm -hmm. and at first revan was all about using the star forge but he wanted to limit its use as much as possible because he realized that if he used the star forge more than it than needed he would get completely corrupted by the dark side of the force And he was still somewhat conscious. Yeah, because his, his, I believe his idea is like, okay, the Republic isn't going to believe me if I tell them that Vitiate is out there. And the Jedi will probably see me as a madman because the Sith are supposed to be extinct. Quote, unquote. (laughs) Quote, unquote. But his idea is like, okay, we need to transform the Republic into this heavily militarized state so we could fight back against the Sith and everything. And... Malik kind of looked at him, and he thought that Revan became soft. Like, he's just keeping the dark side at arm's length. Just keeping his distance. I mean, still using it as a tool and everything, but he's not embracing the dark side. And Darth Malik kind of challenged his friends several times. Like, you little bitch, why aren't you using the dark side more? I I could make a better master than you. And <laughs> this led this argument between friends led to their climatic duel um and it resulted in revan cutting off malik's jaw Ooh. yeah and for the rest of his life like he has no lower jaw but he's speaking through a vocoder and everything and he has this iconic mask i'll have to show you pictures of darth malik later but I he's have, i have his outfit on in spator i got it from a cartel pack that's terrifying that he is cut very terrifying. Off his jaw. yep and 
Even though Revan obviously showed himself as the more intellectual and superior of the two, this this uh, little hatred kind of kept on festering and festering. Makes sense. Yeah, and <laughs> and Veros is uh, so on the other side of the war, this Jedi Civil War. Veros is certain Jedi Padawan named Basila Shan. You Basila. know her, Basila Shan. Yep, the uh, ancestor of Satil Shan. And Theron. Mm-hmm. And Basila Shan, even though she's a mere Padawan, she has the rare gift of battle meditation, which, if you recall, is the ability to bolster your allies while demoralizing the enemy. Yeah, that is more fucking common in canon anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, so Basila Shan, um, even though Revan had a much more superior force, uh, Basila Shan was able to evade and score a couple of victories against Revan and his forces, which is pretty goddamn impressive considering how big, how big brain Revan is. Mm-hmm. Um, and during one battle, um, Besselishan set up a trap with a singular ship to lure out Revan. And Revan obviously took the bait. Uh, Sean led a strike team against Revan. They boarded his ship and they have his climatic duel on the bridge of his ship and everything. Um, and Malik, who is commanding a different ship, saw his opportunity, and he ordered his ship to open fire on his master's ship. Of course. And as is the way of the Sith, betrayal. The betrayal, bitch. Didn't see. Oh my god. How was I supposed to foresee that? I cut off your jaw and everything, but I was. I was. How was I supposed to foresee that? <laughs> but anyway, um, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, this didn't kill Revan. But uh, Bessela Shun, for whatever reason, decided to save Revan, and they escaped in an escape pod. And she took Revan back to the Jedi Council, and they decided to repair his body. And they probably made the most controversial uh, decision in the entirety of a Jedi history. They decided, okay, we could kill Revan right here and now, but... We could probably use him for later, but he must not know his true identity. And they decided to basically brainwash him. He got brainwashed again? Yep. Brainwashed, and his memories uh, were changed from being a Sith Lord to a normal Republic soldier of a Republic fleet. Oh, wow. He was, they didn't even make him back into a Jedi. Nope. No, they were like, we're just going to put you in this random fleet in the middle of nowhere so that the Sith can't find you or whatever. Wow. Yeah, and this is kind of when uh, the events of uh, the Knights of the Old Republic come into play because obviously you come out as this uh, Republic soldier and everything and it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like the twist. Oh, I, I am that Sith Lord that everybody keeps spouting about that whole time. What a twist. <laughs> I know. It was like the, uh, I remember back in the day when uh, people were like, oh my God, we were actually the Sith Lord that everybody fears. Holy crap, that is awesome. <laughs> I know a little bit outdated, but back then it was, I'm sure back it was then, very it was a, new. It was a big thing. It was a very big thing. And that's what made uh, Knights of the Old Republic and Revan so much loved. But anyway, point is, um, so Revan, Republic soldier, uh, his ship gets fucked up by the Sith. Uh, he goes to this planet called Terrace, you know, that uh, planet that you go to in Swator and everything. Yep. Um, he meets a bunch of companions along the way. Uh, 
He escapes Terrace as it's being orbitally bombarded by Malik, who's trying to go after Revan and everything. Um, and then, uh, so he comes across Bessla Shun on Terrace, and she decided to bring him back to the Jedi Council. And because she, quote unquote, sensed that the Force was strong within him. Bullshit. Yeah. You lying bitch. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't obvious, Bessla Shun was basically. Uh, I wouldn't say the gatekeeper, but the super... Uh, fuck. Uh, just keeping tabs on Revan, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go back to the Jedi Council, and behind closed doors, the, the Jedi Council were like, okay, should we retrain Revan? Uh, it'll probably be better if we do. That way he could fight back against our common foe, blah, blah, blah. And it's gotta be, like, uh, really weird to see this... I want to say 30-year-old just being a Padawan out of nowhere. Well, she didn't find <laughs> Kira until she was, like, what, 19? Yeah. So, it's not that uncommon. <laughs> but in this case, they're using this Republic soldier who happens to be strong in the force as a Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, he passed his trials as a Padawan, you know, quote-unquote trials. Um... And then he's sent out on a quest by the Jedi Council to find the star maps again, trying to triangulate where the Star Forge is, just going on this wild scavenger hunt, like he did so many times in the past. Um, and then eventually he gets captured by Malak, and he gets uh, uh, interrogated, and Malak gives him the bomb where he's all like, you don't know who you really are. You are Darth Revan. I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> So yeah, um, and then after that, uh, he and, okay, so, has a climactic duel with, uh, Malak, uh, he escapes because Bessla Shan kind of sacrifices herself to allow him to escape and everything, Bessla Shan gets taken prisoner by Malak, uh, Malak corrupts her to the dark side, <laughs> Good God! <laughs> How many times is, gonna, is someone gonna fucking flip-flop? <laughs> I know it's fucking hilarious how many how easily people can flip flop back and forth to the dark side of the light side. It's just as easy as going in and out of a DMV, apparently. No, it's as easy as changing fucking clothes. <laughs> hmm. Does does the dark side look fat on me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should be a fucking meme. <laughs> anyway, um, so eventually Revan. Comes across the final uh, star map, which is on Korriban itself. Um, and then he goes to the Star Forge, where Bessla Shan is using her battle meditation, but on the side of Malak and everything. And there's his final f- fleet fight between uh, Malak's forces and the Republic and everything. Um, Revan goes to the Star Forge, uh, confronts Satil Shan, and. Wrong character. <laughs> God damn it. Um, Shan, there we go. Um, Confronts Sean and obviously it's canon, but it okay. Um, Bessela Sean is basically your token love interest in the culture. Obviously, you could choose not to be your love interest in anything, but it's obviously canon and legends mm-hmm. that they're lovers and everything. And well, Rev, if without Bestilla, Theron and Satil, and yep. The whole shine would not exist. Yep, exactly. And Revan, they kind of have had this close relationship where they become lovers. And Revan was all like, I know they're still good in you. Come back to the light side of the forest. I was able to 
even though I got brainwashed by the Jedi and everything, <laughs> I managed to return back to the light side and I realized how evil of a person I was. Come back to the light side and she did. And he has... It took just, just a speech. Just a speech, yes. Wow. <laughs> and then he has his final confrontation with his oldest friend and his oldest student. They have his climactic duel. Obviously, Revan came out on top and they have his interesting conversation where it's all like, Malik was all like, you fucking bitch, you went back to the light side. And he's like, yeah, against my will, but you, on the other hand, you willingly went down the dark side of the force. You didn't have to, but you did. And Fucking hypocrite. <laughs> I know, it's a lot of weird mumbo-jumbo bullshit, but... That's oh, so funny. It is a little bit funny, but... uh. I know this is a, a bullet point version. I'm sure there's a lot of people just typing furiously to the comments like, you said it wrong. This is, all, <laughs> this, is ex this is getting explained by two people who have not played KOTOR or yep. KOTOR 2. Yeah, so we're, we're trying our best. We're trying our best because I, I don't have the time to explain it, the plot points of an entire fucking game. <laughs> there are other people who have talked about this before. Yeah, who go exactly. More in depth. Think of this as a simplified version. If you want me to go into every minuscule detail, then I don't know. Go to Star Wars Explained or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One of those other big YouTubers. I don't give a shit. Anyway, um, so after he wins against Malak and everything, um. Revan gets awarded by the Republic military, I believe. Let me see if I can find this motherfucking thing. Um, he was given the, uh, da, 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 the Cross of Glory, which is the highest medal anybody could achieve in the Republic military. Wow. So, yeah, it's like ah, fuck, a medal of honor, so to speak, I think. And after that, the Jedi Council were like, you're once again the greatest hero of a Republic in the Jedi Order, and you are free to rejoin the Jedi Order properly. And of, for his love with uh, Bastille Shan, he obviously came back into the Jedi Order, Svold. Just... <laughs> I'm just imagining this, this entire... Uh, <laughs> roller coaster of emotions and everything just oh, being yeah. brainwashed twice by both sides of a light and dark side what was Vichy's reaction just oh, oh well I lost a toy he was all like, yeah I lost a toy whatever <laughs> <laughs> very vitiate reaction oh my fucking god the fucking vitiate with his fucking ribbon toy just oh I'm gonna take over the galaxy oh no <laughs> <laughs> That should be a, a fucking art piece with Vishia just playing his Legos of Revan. Next commission he got into. <laughs> oh, shit. But anyway, um... And everybody knows he and Bastille are get married. They have a son. He's not Force-sensitive. Line goes down. Yeah. Satil and Theron. Though, interestingly enough, um, Revan kind of got gained a new perspective, like... The, the only reason he stayed on the light side and the only reason Bastille Sean stayed on the light side was because of their love for one another. Like, his idea is like, if I have emotions with somebody who I love so much that I could never go to the dark side and everything. It was her, my love for her and her love for me that we were able to find our way back to the light side. And... 
he kind of presented this to the Jedi Order, like, hey, maybe we should allow the Jedi to have their own loved ones and everything, just as a sort of safety measure to make sure none of us fall to the dark side. Obviously, the, the Jedi took this extremely well, and, you know, wow. they had, they had like, you know, those cartoon moments where the character has literal steam coming out of their ears. They're like, ooh! <laughs> and they were so angry angered by this they outright wanted to banish him from the jedi order once and for all makes sense but un- but technically they can't do that because if they do uh revan was seen very positively by the entirety of the galaxy as this hero who saved them from the mandalorians and now the sith so if they had, if he had been exiled they would did- they would have looked really bad yeah oh yeah so they were like okay fine if the people of the galaxy didn't love you so much, we would be kicking you to the curb, but we will let you stay with us. But do not spread this idea to anybody of the Jedi Order. Let me guess, they did anyway. Uh, at first, uh, Bastille Shan was kind of angered by this, but Revan was like, no, 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 this is not a war that we want to engage in and everything. Makes sense. And they were like, okay, we'll follow your rules for now. But then the, Revan's, the rest of Revan's minds came back to him, and he's like, oh, fuck. I just remembered. There's a Sith Empire out there. <laughs> <laughs> this nice big re- resolution, then, oh, fuck, I forgot about the Sith. <laughs> it's, Revan is fucking me whenever I forget shit. Hmm, I have my work clothes on. Am I forgetting anything? Nah, it's probably nothing. <laughs> it's fucking me, I fucking swear. Too fucking funny. <laughs> anyway, and, oh so, shit, the Sith. And Revan kind of came to, uh, so Revan also uh, remembered that he had the mask of a Mandalore, and he meets up with one of his old companions. He has a shit ton of companions, by the way, but one of them is this Mandalorian warrior named Candace Ordo, and that last name may sound very familiar to you. Yes, Candace Ordo. And he's the uh, quote-unquote ancestor of Arjag Ordo. Yep. So he meets up with Candace Ordo, and he's all like, okay, Candace Ordo. The Mandalorians did a lot of evil shit, but I foresee a future where they will be needed to protect the galaxy and everything like that. Because I cannot trust the Jedi Order to do anything. <laughs> and he's all like, I've been with you the most and." And all of these crazy adventures that we have all across the galaxy, fighting the Sith and all of this shit. Um, fortunately, I I trust you that our experiences together, that you will work for the well-being of your people, but also protect the innocent and all that. And he just and he gives him the mask of a Mandalore, and he's like, I want you to rebuild the Mandalorians as a force of good in the galaxy. And Candace Ordo became the very first human Mandalore, and he called himself Mandalore the Preserver. Nice. So, Revan kind of redeeming himself in multiple fields, basically. Yeah. And then after that, uh, he got onto a ship, went back to Droman Kos, and he had a couple of other companions. I don't have the time to explain the details and everything, but he... Found an ally within uh, this Sith Lord named Darth Scourge. You probably remember Darth Scourge. So he was still alive during that time. Yeah. He was, was. And that was 
in the in the Jedi Knight storyline, he's talking about that 300 years before. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah, because Darth Scourge had like the Emperor's essence, so that's yes, why he was, he was able to live for so long. Because <laughs> he was the original Emperor's wrath. Yep. So when the Revan arrived, the, the Dark Council kind of found out about uh, Vitiate's, um, uh, you know, sucking Nathema dry and making himself immortal and all yep. this shit. And Darth Scourge was kind of part of that conspiracy, but he kind of realized that the Dark Council can't be trusted. So he went to Revan because he's like, oh, we have a uh, independent third party. I might as well help him. And he, Revan, and the rest of the companions that accompany both of them went to Vitiate's chambers and they had this epic duel. And even though Revan was able to stand his ground against Vitiate this time, not being brainwashed, obviously, um, Darth Scourge foresaw the future where this moment is not the moment Vitiate would be defeated by Revan, but instead this other individual, the, uh, you know, the playable Jedi Knight character in Swator. Mm-hmm. And that, and he decided to backstab uh, Revan and pledged his quote-unquote loyalty to Vitiate, becoming the Emperor's Wrath. Kid lying fucker. <laughs> and then uh, Revan was taken prisoner. He Again. <laughs> again. Um, and gets entombed on this space station. But over the millennia, even though Revan was physically defeated by Vitiate, he was kind of influencing his mind. Just tempting his rage like hey dude how about don't invade the republic and vision is like okay <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> so i guess that they're both even now it just oh don't invade the republic okay no 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 imagine that art piece where uh where vishy is just playing with his lego of revan and then you zoom <laughs> out and revan is playing a lego of vishy <laughs> Fucking God. <laughs> and then we know um, a Republic Strike Force goes to the space station, I believe led by the Force Ghost of Bastille Shun, who was like, my husband's over there, go free him. Oh, so she she's long dead at this point. Yeah, she is long dead. This is like uh, around uh, Swator when they freed Revan and everything. Okay. And then we know he gets freed. Then he tries creating his own droid army. He finds HK-47 along the way. Uh, Sith strike team goes in, kills his ass. That, that fucking boss fight on the foundry was <laughs> And then we know the rest of the bullshit. Um, Revan's spirit, the light side and the dark side get split. The light side goes to the never realm of the forest, but the dark side stays in the material plane to have his revenge against Vitiate. Uh, finds the uh, Revanites, making them into his own army and everything, which, you know... <laughs> Just a lot of it's bullshit. A big fucking headache is what it is. Yeah, just talking about it, this episode is giving me a major headache. Uh, you know, in the end, they re- both sides of Revan fucking reunite and move on to the fucking afterlife. Bye, Revan! <laughs> and then he comes back with many other people that Vichy has wronged over the years and yes, uh, Teal Shan's mind. Echoes of Oblivion. Echoes of Oblivion and banish Vichy forever. And that's the last time he's physically appeared quote-unquote quote-unquote and that is pretty much the life of a uh, uh, darth revan yeah holy shit <laughs> i yeah it was a uh, huge clusterfuck 
That is a huge clusterfuck. That's a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> this was probably a bigger roller coaster event than a fucking vitiate, I swear. Yeah, feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a headache. <laughs> While uh, Hannah is contemplating her life choices. Um, so, obviously, Revan left a huge impact on the galaxy. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, Revan both was... the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah. Both the Jedi and the Sith and the Republic as a whole. Revan was seen as a controversial figure, but his impact and influence was very influential. Like, a Jedi gatekeeper named, uh, I'm not going to pronounce that name, would create a holocron that basically told the fable of Darth Revan and his return to the light side and everything, finding artifacts that could corrupt people into the dark side and everything. And in the modern day, these uh, stories of Revan were mostly dismissed by scholars as legends and myths. <laughs> because considering what I just told, yeah, that's understandable. It sounds like a fucking myth. <laughs> and the Republic military, which was nearly destroyed by Revan's actions, kind of realized their weakness and evolved into a stronger, more capable military force by the time of Swator. And, uh, let's see, and on the Sith's side of things, um, he provided an equal amount of influence with one, uh, Sith Lord discovering a manuscript that mentioned Revan, and he decided, this guy's a fucking badass. I'm gonna take up his name to honor his memory and everything. And he named himself Darth Riven. Kind of a uh, misspell. It Revan's name is spelled R-E-V-A-N. He spelled it as R-I-V-E-N. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Fuck? It is really weird, but, uh, just important note. Um, but his most influential con- contribution to the Sith was uh, influencing the then uh, Sith apprentice, Darth Bane, into creating the Ways of Two and bringing about the extinction of a Sith for his own ideas. Yeah, you killed off the fucking coolest empire. <laughs> Fuck you. So yeah, that is, that is the uh, quote-unquote comprehensive story of Darth Revan. What do you think? Ugh. <laughs> Reverend as much of a shit dad as Vichy was. Well, he was <laughs> never a part of his child's life to begin with, so probably not. Well, Vichy was, was hardly a part of his kid's life. I mean, he's a deadbeat. Vichy was a horrible father. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. wait until we expand more on that in the Zakul in the Zakul episode. Yeah. If yeah. we ever do a Zakul episode. Oh God. Anyway, um, like I said before, Darth Revan is kind of in a gray area for me he's i think he's cool aesthetically you know the robes his mandalorian mask and everything but he's eh, he's a little bit better than vishy in my opinion but that's not saying much there are a lot of cooler characters out there there but, are a lot of cooler characters out there yeah but revan is just that that piece of gum that you can't get off your shoe <laughs> unfortunately i mean revan uh, Obviously, he is a very popular character. Like, even if you are a new fan of Star Wars, you probably heard of Revan's name at least once. He's that popular. Yeah. But it would be kind of cool if they decided to, I don't know, flesh out Revan better. 
in the new canon? Because I've seen like a lot of fan artwork where uh, Keanu Reeves plays as Revan. And I can see Keanu Reeves being Revan. Yeah. I remember this uh, fucking meme where uh, they say that Adam Driver looks like a, a uh, what was it? A young version of Revan? Not a young version, like the, the dollar store version of Darth Revan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The Chad, the Chad Darth Revan, the virgin Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it feels like Kylo is trying to be Darth Revan, and yeah. he's not. I mean, he's trying to be Darth Vader, but it makes more sense if it's Darth Revan. He's trying so hard to be Darth Revan, but no. no. Kylo just, no. <laughs> but yeah, um, I do appreciate that uh, Revan... Like, I never cared much about Revan as being this blank slate character... I do think it's a cool idea, but... It's if a you, very cool idea. But if you think about it too hard, it kind of just falls apart. Because it's kind of like a... Like in Swator, if you make a certain decision, does it change the galaxy? Not really, but... I saw a, a post on, I think, Tumblr talking about possibly a soft reboot of Swator and how decisions could impact the story later and not yeah. just affect the light-dark side thing of the personal character but you know semantics yeah like Darth Revan is in some regards similar to how uh, Swator introduced the uh, Eternal Empire it's this uber powerful organization and it obviously they conquer the entirety of the galaxy but they're not really relevant after that yeah it's just like okay cool just cool uh bye <laughs> Cool, bye. Let's let's get back to the actual cool Jedi Sith thing. <laughs> but yeah, um, Revan, um, I know I keep, I feel like I repeat myself a lot with this episode. But for all of you people that love Darth Revan and think that I kind of um, didn't do a great job at explaining his story and everything, I apologize. I'm just not the hugest Darth Revan fan. But if you love Darth Revan... That's fine by me. <laughs> like, I don't care if you love The Rise of Skywalker. I don't care if you love Kylo Ren. I don't care if you love Rey. They're just not... They're just not my cup of tea, personally. Exactly. Just love whatever you want to love. Just don't expect me to, you know, love them in return. And don't be a dick about it. Yeah, but... If there's anything that I got wrong on this episode, I appreciate the feedback. I tried to do it with the limited knowledge I can without making my head explode and everything. Exactly. But anyway. This is, this is yet another episode where we both come out with a headache. Yeah. But I guess it's uh, a lot. <laughs> it makes us uh, not get as bored as easily, I suppose. I guess. But anyway, um, so that's our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, how many times can Revan switch back and forth with the light side and the dark side? Jeez, how, or no, how many characters can flip-flop between <laughs> the dark side and the light? <laughs> but anyway, um, so do you want to know what our next episode is going to be, Hannah? What? We will be diving into probably one of your favorite races in all of Star Wars, the Chiss. Nice. I'm going to have fun with this one. Yeah, I'm... Um, It'll probably be, make my head explode, but not so much as Revan did. No, not so much as Revan and not so much as... Vitiate. No, Vitiate, um, Kit, Vitiate broke Kit. Yeah, it did. 
Uh, I think it was the super weapons. Oh, no, oh, it was yeah. the gods. The gods. The gods episode. <laughs> fucking Waru. We came out with a fucking headache with that one. <laughs> I fucking forgot about This is about on the Waru. level of the gods episode. Oh, yeah. This, this is going to be a mindfuck episode for sure. <laughs> but the Chiss, I'm excited. I'm excited about the Chiss. Oh, yeah. I'm totally excited about the Chiss, too. But anyway, um, I hope you guys still appreciate our take on Darth Revan. Um, once again, if you want to, if you love our content, make sure to leave a like, a comment, and perhaps subscribe. That would be very much appreciated. And subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, God. Okay, I got to clear my throat there. That was just... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I hope you're having a wonderful day. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the episode of A Chiss. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening slash watching, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take an aspirin. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to take a short nap after this. (laughs) 